You know it's funny. People on the outside don't really get what's going on. But they always got something to say. What's going on, folks? This is Daryl, your host of Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast, where we discuss issues that impact black and millennial communities while having a good drink. So, I'm here today with one of my good friends, um, longtime confidants. I tell this man everything, <laughs> um, any and everything, and have no fear in telling him all these things. Um, Corey Bennett. Um, Cam Bennett, however he chooses to go in, in the moment, <laughs> uh, depending on the setting. Depending on when you met me, yeah. yeah. Um, but but one of my fraternity brothers, amazing civil servant. Um, this man has always had a heart for service, and I truly believe it's because of his upbringing. I've had a chance to meet his mother, his grandmother, his father, uh, his aunt, rest in peace. Um, just an amazing his brother, I mean, a family of good people who, you know, they, they say, who your people, when, when you go into a room and somebody says, who your people, and he says who his people are, you know, he's from good stock. Um, as well as, like I said, a brother of Alpha Phi Alpha, UNCG Spartan, um, nonprofit worker like myself, and someone who has, from what I've, since I've known him, dedicated his life to the service of others while finding a way to make it profitable for himself, which is very important. You know, a lot of us are service-minded, but don't know how to turn that corner and pay the bills sometimes. And that's necessary. Absolutely. So, um, Corey, <laughs> I, I've introduced you to the best of my ability, but tell hey, folks was, about yourself. Yeah, that was solid. Um, I appreciate it, brother. I, Corey K. Bennett, essentially, um, all the other, like, names and pseudonyms have come, pseudonyms have come from, like, different times of my life. Um, <laughs> Depending on when you met me, Cam is my preferred name that my aunt gave me, rest in peace. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just CB for the most part. Um, but yeah, nonprofit professional by, I like to say by trade, um, service mindset, you know, just by heart. And everything that I do, I feel like it's always fed into the next thing. So me giving a little bit of myself here always is able to kind of feed into the next opportunity. So truly blessed. Glad to be on the pod. Been seeing it for a while, listening for a while. Um, you've had this concept for years yeah. stuck in the back of your head. Um, so I'm glad now that it's in, into fruition, man. So cheers. cheers. So we are uh, drinking Four Roses. Interesting how we got the, the bottle, right? So I, Corey is a new father. Yeah. Um, very excited to have just finally put laid eyes on his daughter. Um, for the first time, COVID, COVID threw stuff off. And so I wanted to come down here and celebrate with him uh, the birth of their, their child, firstborn. And haven't been able to, unfortunately, because, you know, things have been just off. I haven't been to Charlotte since this thing started. And usually I'm here once a month, yeah. month and a half. Um, so I've got this opportunity. And what I did was I said, you know what, man, I can't make it down there. Here's a bottle for the, for the firstborn. And, um, you know. It's a baby bottle, but not a baby bottle. Right. <laughs> the, um, the bottle for the adults. Yeah, man. Uh, and uh, we just cracked it. Yeah. yeah. So I had, we, to, had to keep it on ice until you got here, but um, it's smooth. Yeah, Four like Roses, man. I've never had it before. I actually had this on an episode in the first season. Gotcha. It was my first time buying a bottle. I think I, I tried it before. Mm. But um, 
They're pretty good. They're, and oh, yeah, I rock with it. They have a few different variations. So they have like the single barrels and stuff where you like yeah. level it up. Yeah. But it's a it's a good one to keep at the house if you're looking to have just a whiskey around. It's oh, not yeah. bottom shelf. Yeah. Yeah. So I could definitely do a little couple different cocktails with this. Yeah. Um, it would make a great old fashioned, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so I like this. I really like this glass uh, with, the, with the bullet in it. It's pretty, pretty dope. Yeah. You know, we both have like, uh, what is a newfound? I've had it for years, yeah. but now you're getting to like gun ownership yeah. and like understanding the rights behind it. Mm -hmm. But more than anything, like us, we always have taken like a, a behind the scenes approach. Like we love the law that goes into it, the yep. rights and understanding and knowing the, the, the strength that you have. And gun ownership, home ownership, whatever the case may yeah. be, like, I think that was the most um, informative piece before I started, like, actually carrying concealed and doing all that kind of stuff, so I seen that glass, I loved it, because it had the bullet in it, um, kind of like the, the movies that you always see, the right. bullet goes through the glass and on the bar and all that kind of thing, but yeah. I saw something interesting recently, um, I forget the exact percentage, but it's like one in a millionth. There were two bullets that hit one another in World War II, mm. and they hit and fell. They stopped one another, oh, wow. and so someone got it and like put it on an on, yeah, yeah, art museum yeah. or something because if there's a one in a million chance that it would happen. happen. But I mean, you know, it's it, it's a very interesting um, craft science. I never thought I, I was just talking to Brady about it. Never thought I would own a gun because I never saw the need for it. Mm -hmm. um, not because I didn't think people should have them. I just like, you know what? I've got, I'm a good person. I'm doing what I need to. And, you know, naive as a child, the police are here to serve me. Right. And now I right. know, even outside of police brutality and the issues that are happening, they might not get to my house fast mm -hmm. enough. And I have a wife. Um, you know, things happen. Absolutely. And being aware of that, I'd rather have it than not. This so uh, this week enough, you know. It, this was election time. Mm -hmm. It was election week, mm -hmm. and day of, I a good friend of mine had bought him a new uh, AR. Yep. Um, and he wanted to give it a spin, like just put some rounds through it. Yep. He's had some other compressed things before. Mm -hmm. He had an M4 before, but he never had just the classic 22 AR 15, yep. you know, kind of deal. So I was like, yeah, let me grab mine. I'll meet you at the range. And it was um, interesting enough that we put all of, we had all of our guns and everything together and we walked in and it's just this era like that you could feel. Mm -hmm. So um, my boy Jeremy is about, you know, about 5'10", five, 5'9", five, yeah. super big, yep. over 200 tattoos, yep. dreadhead. We walk in, he has camo pants on. I kind of got tactical gear on. This your boy who has the um, clothing line. Yep. Yes, Miami yes. Printing. Yep. So um, he, he uh, just, I could just, I don't know if he noticed it, but I felt it when we walked in. You know, I'm big bearded, my tats were out and I had on tactical gear and we both are masked and yep. you see these two men that you know are of color to someone else say, hey, they got rifles, they're mm -hmm. walking in with handguns, they like they know what they're doing. And it was it was empowering, honestly. Yeah. Um, because I see the other gentlemen who have their tactical bags and their American flag hats on yep. and uh, it was a gentleman there, he had a MAGA hat on at the time yep. still, like shooting it and it just lets you know that um, we're not scary. Like we're other people own them. Yeah. Like it's free ownership. Yes. And, and and I think now more than anything, what we used to think that the NRA and all those kind of things are just like white association. Nah, not at all. Like they're being infiltrated consistently and they're always being expanded with other people now. So um, 
gun ownership for me is like a right, but at the end of the day, it, it, it makes me feel good to know that I know how to use it yep. and that I just don't have one. When I was younger, it, truth be told, I've had a gun around me since I was 15. Mm-hmm. I've never grabbed one, never had to use one in that kind of manner when I was younger, but having one, it was a common thing for my family. And they always would lay around until, like, we just knew what was, but, I, but as I got older, I recognized that's not everybody's norm. Yep. So my education on guns started way earlier, but now it's more so like my uh, my intellect about gun ownership and like it's a machine. At the end of the day, it's a piece of equipment. It's a tool. Like it's all about the user and knowing what you're doing. So I encourage everybody if you can consider, if you can own, do it. Um, I'm not one of those people that think that the right is going to be taken away because it's in our amendments. It literally was a second one that they thought to put together. And I'm like, it's not going anywhere, but things will change. But I'm glad to also be in a position where I was able to get mine legally. And, you know, still be able to protect us. Uh, The hard part is, if you think about it, if you come out as a felon or you have a criminal offense, you're more likely to need one, mm-hmm. but you can't get one legally. You're right. So when you still talk about like those systems and stuff in place, it's a lot of work to go. A lot of a lot of work to still do. So yeah, man. So it was um it was a learning experience, and now I can confidently, comfortably come downstairs with either tool and yep. and hopefully you know never have to fire them on somebody. Hopefully they have the sense enough to walk out um, while they can. Yeah. Absolutely. I think uh, a couple bumps in the night have happened before, um, but where we are, mm-hmm. like, it could be anything, a tree limb fell on a, right. on a deck or uh, something hits the window, a raccoon, a squirrel, a fox, whatever, like, something has always been annoying, so now I've learned to ignore them, but you know, coming from where we are, you like, I shouldn't hear nothing, yeah. like, you should be silent, right. I hear anything moving, I already yeah. know what time it is. Durham and Charlotte aren't, aren't that different nah. in that way. Uh, yeah, and, and uh Sarah laughs at me because I've popped up in the middle of the night and versus grabbing like my handgun, I'll pull the whole rifle out. But yeah. that's because it has a flashlight on it. Mm. And I'm just like, this is more accurate. Yeah. Like I can get more, you know, oh, active man, that- this because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know what they may have either. Bro. So I, I've always encouraged people, three guns, everyone should own. It's a handgun, preferably a nine or a yep. Glock or a 40. Yep. An AR, yep. rifle of yep. some sort. Um, I'm pulling, I know the third one. What? Shoddy. Absolutely. That's next. I'm yeah. actually, there's a, there's yeah. a show coming up, and so uh, me and my boy are headed to that. Do it, bro. And, Get um, you a Mossberg, Remington. Yeah. He just got uh, a um, Churchill. Oh, yeah. And that joint. So I've shot that a couple times mm-hmm. and love that one. Um, yeah, I um I originally bought a 20 gauge because if you're in a home, 20 won't totally tear up your whole walls and sheetrock. Okay. If you're shooting birdshot through a 20 gauge, it's a little bit easier for a woman to handle too. Mm. That kick is less. Okay. Um, they, they try to encourage it for like smaller women or kids. Mm-hmm. Like if they have to use a shotgun, use that. But um, my next one will be a 12. Yeah. I'm looking to just go ahead and get the 12. So yeah. I'm thinking about that too, the, um, the AR-12. See, this, this is our friendship, so I, I, I really uh, I really wanted y'all to see. When like, we get into stuff, like if yeah. when, he, when we jump into stuff, is. You're going to get educated. I'm going to go to full length. I want to know everything yep. about it. Yep. Instead of just like following trends and picking up stuff, yep. I don't think we ever really did that. Mm-hmm. I think when everybody was in college drinking white, we moved to brown. Yep. Um, I think once we realized that we don't have to drink as cheap as our budgets allow, you know what I'm saying? Like you just continue like elevate and try to educate yourself about stuff. I think smoking our first cigars yep. and like you just. Yeah, we smoked our first cigars together, I believe. 
Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So it's like you, you just elevate on different things that we get into versus just following the trends. But yeah. We've made our mistakes, um, certainly, and a few of them together. Are we going to talk about that on here? Okay. No, I mean, you know, driving from Atlanta at three in the morning when I don't have, that's, I don't have a license. That's all on me. That and I, yeah, I'm totally transparent because I've, I've done enough files now. I realize, like, first of all, my brand is me. So people like protect your brand, just protect yourself, but be authentic. But um, in Atlanta, we went out, had a bomb night. Oh man! Um, I don't recall if I was single or, or not, or talking to somebody at that time. Can you tell me what I was doing? It, it, your life is complicated. <laughs> I don't remember what I was doing. I think I, I was in transition. I think you so. were, but yeah, I remember why we went back. Either way, right? Yeah. So the reason why I made Daryl get in the car at three forty-five, something like that. Yeah. After we finished partying, we just partying finished partying. all day in Atlanta, drinking since ten, nine, something like that. Eight. You know, the sleep is about to smack us, and I'm like, nah, like I ain't going out like that. Like, <laughs> I need that. <laughs> So much. What, uh, we stopped at two pilots, two trucks. They yep. just took naps. Took, yep. I almost, we almost hit the wall. Hit a wall a couple times. Oh man! The bumps kept waking you up, and you were just so. Uh, I think that was the first time I've seen you just be utterly just exhausted and pissed. pissed you were you. mad because you were tired. Yeah, yeah. And you I, were mad because you was like, we didn't have to do. I this. did. I was like, bro, we can drive back in the morning. <laughs> Nah, man, I ain't wasting it. I'm right. Play at a bomb night. I just spent too much bread. Nah. But you, you know what, man? It's fun because at this point in my life, I look back on those times. I'm like, yo, a couple things. I've stopped saying things. Like, I never say I dodge a bullet anymore. I say, God, step in front of that bullet for me. Oh, yeah. Every yeah. time. And I mean, you know what? He gave us the opportunity to get back safely, and we, we got back safely. I was driving mom's car. Yo. I remember that. That wasn't even my whip at that time. That, it, yo, it wasn't. We had fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one, that's that's one mistake. Uh, other mistake, me, you, and those buying out the bar. Oh man, that wasn't a mistake, man. That was that was just one of those. We, what a time to be alive. You, you're the only one of the three of us who had a job after school. I never put that together when we were doing it. Yeah. In so my mind, I was like, y'all doing real good. Like, not even pleasant because, man, at that time I was making thirty-one thousand dollars a year. Boy. And bought out a bar of all the Moscato. Yeah, we bought we bought every bottle that they had. Trying for our to graduation. flex going back to homecoming, knowing you're gonna be hurt. Yeah, well, I was hurt. I was hurt the same day. Well, for me, right? My stuff was on debit. I don't know if y'all using credit, but my nah, stuff was debit. Well, so we uh we we took a. Uh, I mean, it was, it was funny. It was a fun time. It was man. it was good, man. We had we had we have many great. And it movies. was it was a bar too in the daytime. Yeah, it wasn't even like a nighttime club section type thing. No, we just bought the bar out, walking around normal with bottles. Handing bottles to everybody, ladies, oh, you know, man, our yeah, boys was like, yo, bro, you, yo, yo. <laughs> before, before people was driving the boat, man, we was, right, yo, <laughs> that really was before dropping the boat, we was definitely the captains of that, but I remember, um, you know how bros do, bros are like, oh, yeah, bro, let me get some, yeah. you know, I don't care what decision you made, let right. me share it in if you're going to have it, nobody, like, tapped us on the shoulder and was like, why well, y'all doing this, mm. like, y'all don't have to do this. I think Brady might have said something to y'all. Probably. Brady's the good one for y'all, but see, I didn't have... Tristan wasn't there, mm -hmm. and Rico didn't care. Mm -hmm. So There we go. Yeah, it didn't matter. That, that's y'all's line's whole motto. Tristan wasn't there, and Rico didn't care. He would say the same. Rico would say the same thing about me. Yeah. He would say, Corey wasn't there, and he don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, his wedding. 
I think we had some of the best conversations because me and Rico is just an interesting com- or just an interesting group. Yeah. Him and Tristan are even more interesting as a pair. But yeah. he was just like Rico. I never understood how much he had like kind of looked up to me on early, mm-hmm. and I always looked at us as equals. Like as soon as we got online, I didn't care that he was younger or that he was inexperienced or he was rough around the edges or whatever. I just saw him. Like that was it. He was here. I was here. We earned the same spot. And I think before I recognized like that he had actually gleaned for me and like looked for me for advice and things like that. If I would have known it back then, I probably would have addressed some stuff a little bit different. But luckily, we got Tristan. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That nice, that nice middleman. Yeah. Um, so I hear a, a beautiful sound in the living room. Oh my God! Yeah, she cutting up. So let, let's talk about fatherhood, man. How's that been? You know, what, is it four months now? Uh, today she is. She's still three months. Three months. Okay. Thirteen weeks a day. So let's talk about it. How, how's it? How's it been, man? How's your sleep going? What's up? I, I hear the the challenge stories. I won't say horror stories. Yeah. yeah. Um. First thing, when people give you advice about you getting ready to have a child, like literally only twenty percent of it is accurate. Like your child does your own thing. Mm-hmm. Like they immediately have their own brain and personality. And like the the part I've had said to Siri before, I'm like, she you realize like our faces is her entire world. Like we think of all these different things that we have going on, but all she sees and needs is exactly this little bit right here. Um, and for me, it's like the amount of time that we got together because of quarantine. Yep. I got to see her home for six weeks. Now I was in the other room working. So every break and bathroom break, I get up, I try to come in here and steal my time. But I also see, like, the that six weeks ain't really enough. Yeah. Like, it's just a bare minimum to try to establish mm-hmm. a routine. Um, my sleep now is blessed. Yeah. I will say that. I get a lot of consistent hours. Cameron is definitely my daughter. She loves her sleep. So when she gets ready to, like, settle down, settle down, and get into a good sleep, oh, I'm getting, like, five, six consistent hours. Yeah. And that's, you know, say we need less than that to operate. Yeah. So... She'll have her, her uh, and wiggle moments and hit some diaper changes, but the uh, I would say the first month is the hardest so far. I ain't got to terrible twos and teething and all that kind of stuff, but what I say is uh, that first month, it, it hits you, um, but we pledged. Like yeah. So what I say, that, you know, we always compare stuff to like our, our days of pleasure and college days and Two weekends, two weekends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, two weekends not, be tough. Yeah. But um <laughs> it's just yeah. like uh you've you've lost sleep for less. Yeah. Um you've Ooh. lost sleep over worry and all that kind of stuff. So it's like when you got that voice that you know only depends on you for everything it wants and it only wants to be fed, dry and comforted, like it, it, it makes you wake up. I haven't been aggravated at all by her. Like, every single time, I've been more frustrated with myself. Like, I could do better as a routine. I should have probably settled down when she settled down and all that kind of stuff. But um, it is literally the best unplanned thing I've ever done. Yeah. I will say, man, I like that. I've lost sleep for less. Oh, yeah. Because let's think about, I mean, you know, pleasure aside, which I, I consider that a an asset to my life. Absolutely. I wouldn't yeah. have my relationship with you if I yep. didn't. Um, I can definitely say that, you know, let's think about the times we stayed up all night to go to parties or the times we decided, hey, you know what, I'm going to wait for that text from that girl at, and it's 3 a.m. all night. You know, um, and then yep. don't get it till 7. Or it gets to that point where it's like so late that I might as well not sleep. Exactly. And right. then, and then don't worry, oh, my bad, I fell asleep. Okay, yeah. cool, yeah. cool story. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, I've, I've lost sleep for less. So therefore, when you have the most important thing in your world, 
I can definitely wake up yeah. and, and handle this. I told you this, and I through text. I think one time I'm so glad that I got that selfishness out of me early. Mm, um, yes, that just just as a man wanting to you know do what you want to do mm-hmm. when you want to. I'm I'm glad that I got that out of me early. Yeah. Um, for one, being in a relationship tones that down, so it lets you automatically start making different decisions. But then um, for me, man, I've always wanted a daughter. I've always wanted her. I don't know why. It's not that I have anything against sons. I do have a fear of raising a black man. But my point is, I've always wanted a daughter because I think on our end, you know, people be like, oh, your daughter going to give you all the hell that you gave other women. It, for me, I wanted to raise a daughter and do my best to, like, show her what a man should, like, loving her and, and tending to her should it feel like. It should feel somewhat like that. And if I, I, I just don't want her to go out with a void and have to look for it elsewhere. So I think that was a big thing for me. I always wanted a daughter, man. But, man, when they told me I had a girl, I already knew her name, mm-hmm. all of that, like, things fall into place. And even though she wasn't planned, like, it happened exactly how it was supposed to. So... She is, uh, she's definitely going to be um, my constant motivation. If you always like need something to be motivated, where I have rough days, I come home, she's smiling, laughing, happy, I'll be like, yo, I must be doing something right. Like, it's one more day. And uh, all parents are going to tell you, like, oh, take it one day at a time. Shit, them days run by quick. Yeah. Because she's, I've already been at this for almost a quarter of a year. And I ain't think of, you know what I'm saying? Like, almost a quarter yeah. of a year, like, I've already been doing this. So, the the honeymoon of, like, oh, you're a father. Like, that stuff's starting to fade off now. Um, but she's still in that cute stage where, like, everybody wants to, like, see her and all that. But, man, when she get that stretch of, like, one and two and nobody ain't thinking about you being a parent no more, yeah. that's when you really got to have that grit to, like, yeah. uh, keep doing what you've been consistently doing. But kids make you... They make you consistent, they make you plan, and then as soon as you get a solid plan together, they still gonna do what they wanna do. Yeah. So um Sean's oldest son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if I was telling the fifth grader, what I do is, um, based off the fact that people like to donate 
give money and that companies have expendable income, I'm allowed to take those funds and help other individuals figure out what they want to do. That, that, yeah. That's that's beautiful. A lot aligned with me, but you are more so on the programmatic side. Yeah, whereas on the development I, side. Yeah, I yeah. do the fundraising specifically. Yeah. He's building these relationships that allow these these companies to really say, yo, I believe in the work, like the actual tangible yeah. work. That you go out and find the dollars and mm-hmm. you find the funding sources yeah. and uh, the streams of income. You find that income. I I have to prove that we're using those dollars and that it's effective yep. and that you're not just giving to something because it's an entity and it sounds good, but that actual results are turning over. So um, I've always thought about moving to the development side, but I couldn't. I just can't break away from program, man. Yeah. Working with young people like keeps me young, keeps me relative, and then for some reason they still think that I'm young, but my, my neck and my back say differently. But it's just like <laughs> staying connected and staying in tune with what they got going on, and I realized we had different input at that time. We had different stimulus. We had different access to things, and once you can kind of roll with them as they grow, you can make sense of how to use those dollars best. Like, now you don't need to... Uh, now we don't really need to provide, I won't say this though, you don't you don't have to buy people computers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can give students iPads yep. or, or MiFi's or make sure that they just have a phone and connection. Mm-hmm. They got enough free resources. They know how to go out and get to what they need to get to. So when I talk to certain people about being a nonprofit professional, they're like, oh my God, I just want to, I want to take a group of young people and I want to teach them etiquette. And I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. then what you going to do with them? Right. And then they're like, well, they'll know it. And I'm like, no, they won't. <laughs> They'll right. know that you spent time with them and that you did something, and that's going to be the experience, but they don't know where to apply it. The, the next step is getting them to them rooms. Because you know what? <laughs> I, if, if I know which fork to use, but I'm still eating at McDonald's, what the hell good right. is it going to do? Why would I ever lay that out of my house? My family right. may not eat at the table, let alone we're not about to dirty your body's dishes so you can practice. On on top of that, <laughs> I'm going to be now the bougie kid in the neighborhood. Like, get me into a room where I can apply this Thank and you. not be laughed at. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that I, I had to learn that about four of my years in of the like, you know, nine years I've been doing nonprofit post college. And then I also had to understand what those dollars mean, like what donation and charity really does mean for some yeah. is not everything. Yeah. Like philanthropy is great mm-hmm. in a concept and we get an award and recognize that's cool, but it's very cutthroat. Yeah. I can, you can get me a million dollars one year and then the next year to say Nah, we didn't necessarily have it or COVID or whatever yeah. situation. And then when that fund gets cut, everybody else gets cut. Yeah. So kind of alluding to that, my my pandemic time, I got terminated from one of the best positions that I ever had. Still love the company. No, not to them. Just nationally, they had started in a deficit from under budget and then they never could recover. And then when COVID hit, that was like another, you know, 33 million to them nationally. Yeah. Like So cuts had to be made. Um, but it was my first time experiencing that trickle down effect of how the money really doesn't always save you and the money isn't always there. Um, but it gave me a lot of, it reminded me of my hustle. I then turned into an independent contractor for, uh, 90 days and I had six different organizations I was working with. You knew you had a little one coming. Yeah, exactly. The grind is different. Yeah. So. I immediately turned it on and all six of them thought that they were my priority as I should make them feel as an independent contractor. But at the end of the day, wasn't none of them a priority and it was it was just about hustle. So um, 
one of my come my, my proudest stories of this whole entire time with pandemic is that uh, for one I didn't fold and then two um, every once in a while you need a little bit of reminder to have faith mm-hmm. and, and and for me I'm very hard headed I don't learn my lessons by somebody sharing with me I have to go through it so if I did not if I wasn't terminated I would have never looked elsewhere. If I wasn't looking elsewhere, I never would have established relationships. And even though I had an intent to turn it into a job, I still established relationships in my field. I didn't jump ship and be like, oh, I'm going to go work at Amazon and become a central worker. Or I'm going to go back and try to take out a loan and do a different profession. No, I stayed true to like my purpose. But them phone calls was few and far in between when I knew stuff was coming in. I went from totally working um, in a suit and tie every single day to working at a workshop, yep. cutting wood and building things because I was working with a different group of young people to, on the trades. Uh, so I went from suit and tie to Carhartt. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it just, it mentally reminded me, a uh, guy just kept telling me, like, don't ever get comfortable with me. Um, because if you, that contentment is going to end up being a prison for you. So, like, more than anything, it showed me, like, things fall into place, but also opportunities going to come. You remember when I was uh, walking from Steel Creek to Fort Mill Bruh. to work on the on the food uh, I don't know. The produce if, truck. If y'all not listening to this, but I'm gonna tell y'all this: Steel Creek and Fort Mill is close in the sense of a car, <laughs> but when walking, it is literally miles. Yeah, it's like, four miles. I was walking there, four miles back, no sidewalk, just you know, hit you that was road. walking eight miles a day to get to work. Working? How old you? Had ten or eight hour shifts? Eight hour shifts. On on a produce truck taking food on and off because I, w- I couldn't find a job but I needed to pay pay the rent because I wasn't I wasn't not gonna put my half in absolutely like I mean it, that if there's one thing that we learned man um, coming through into Alpha Alpha by way of Pazeta it's that you got to get out there and earn it yeah ain't nobody giving you nothing no no. And it's cool. And it's cool that we great guys and it's all that. And it's cool that we popular and know people. And it's cool that we can shake hands and see people and all that. But that don't have nothing to do with that, like, day-to-day grind. Mm-hmm. Like, all of us do that, but we got a grind that you have to have underneath that secures it and lets you be that person. Because, um, I, I don't know, I think I've seen a lot of people recently, um, I don't want to say stunt, but they're still selling me on what I think that they do have or should have, and I know that they don't. Um, and I don't call people out because you can do what you want to do with your funds. But for me, it's not about me acting broke. Because somebody was like, bro, you got it. You doing better. Like, don't don't make it seem like you don't got it. I was like, I'm not making it seem. I'm just reminding myself that I don't. Mm-hmm. If I can't do it two or three times over and not feel a sting from it, then I don't have it. Mm-hmm. Like, So I'm not taking trips. And even though Tulum is cheap, I ain't going. We yeah. can't go. I got other stuff to think about. So it's just... I, it, you got. It's a different way everybody kind of look at their hustle. Yep. Um, some people look at it as a livelihood. Some people look at it like a game, like it's fun, and they love that. Like Mitch, like you know, I yeah, love playing the game. Exactly. You know what I mean? But it, it it all depends on how you view your hustle. And at the end of the day, it only be you up at three, four in the morning, worrying about what's due, how I'm gonna finesse this, move this money yep. around, do whatever. Or you're up at three or four in the morning, closing deals or celebrating or whatever, mm-hmm. based off how much work you can put in. So. It's whatever you wanna, uh, whatever you wanna lose sleep over. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta put it out there for yourself how you want to though. Um, so we're gonna jump into the last section and where you have gained the strongest majority of your um, your, 
your influence online, uh, your ability to yeah. step into the fashion game. And I, I mean, I always totally knew you. Playing. Yeah, I always knew <laughs> that you were um, well put together guy. You know, I, I remember. I could put some stuff together, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Decent. I remember when uh, when I met you and you had your you had the braids. You met me with your bows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember that. So freshman year, I met you, but I didn't know you well. It was yeah. your freshman year, and then. I, just I think it was active. I just remember yeah. being so damn active on campus. I'm like, I keep seeing him everywhere. <laughs> like he always moving and he always talking to somebody. Um, but yeah, Jabo jeans, tall tee, yeah, do rag, yeah, hair out, braids down my mm-hmm. back. And then I remember. Uh, so that that was. I remember meeting you there. Then I remember meeting you after. So it was, it was all the way across, crossed, mm-hmm. and then spring on So. Right before, yeah, so spring 09, yeah, summer 09, right. mm-hmm. I met your mother. We were at Target. It was yep. me, you, mom. Yo, do you remember that? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you were yep. shopping for back to school stuff, and I was in there trying to get some stuff together. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I met your mom. It was the first time I ever met her, but that was like the second time that I was like, yo, yeah. I, I knew he was going to be a bruh, but I didn't have a relationship with you. And I was like, you know what, man? Mm-hmm. I, I, I like this guy. <laughs> I like this guy a lot. It's cool. Yeah, um, I didn't know I was an MVP draft at the time. Yeah, man, we like I, I knew you, I but I hadn't, I didn't think I was a shoe in. I thought I was a last minute decision. No, man, I, I just hadn't had a chance to really build the relationship that we have now. Yeah, but um, I know but, people always was like, "Daryl, that's your your line brother." I'm like, "Right, no, I'll be like, that's my best bro." And they yeah. be like, "Huh?" Like he's my best friend within the frat, and we're the closest. And yeah, he's like, but he's not on your line. I'm like, no, he's older. And they're like, "How'd y'all get so close?" I'm like, "Just time." Yeah, <laughs> time um, spent, man. <laughs> So, so yeah, I remember that you, but now you are truly, um, for for big and tall guys, people look at you and like, yo, this guy can wear these kind of clothes and do it confidently. So it's more than it's more than just the fashion, but it's it's a in in a sense a ministry to people who at one point there weren't clothes made for for those people fashionable clothes. Yeah. So so yeah. so how's for it going, man? The, the influence and, and really Instagram is a free platform for me. So before it was CB, Busy, Grizzly, it was Boy Meets World, just mm-hmm. a play on my first name, Corey. And um, I would always dress decent in a sense that I would recognize what was out there. But like, I, I always felt like I was a little bit behind. Like Polo and Sperry's, I had to see like you, George, Charlie, uh, JD, Phil. Like I had to see everybody else kind of doing it. And then I had to find it in my size. And every trend wasn't for me. Like um, I never wore the, the, the free-flowing like beach tank tops. Or I never wore the short shorts back then. Yeah. Just be known, you've been wearing short shorts before they became popular again. Like the running shorts yeah. and the short. I was like, yo, when I first seen a couple people doing, I was like, I feel like Daryl's had a pair of these Nike oh, yeah. shorts, these Reebok, like the short free flowing shorts. But um, it was just I, I always felt like I was a slight, a slightly bit behind. But I'm shocked every time someone's wife or a guy reaches out and they're like, yo, I got a big man in my life. Like I want to figure out how to dress them. And the the bigger key is I like to do it is I do it. For very cheap mm-hmm. um everything i buy i haven't bought anything at full price or paid the full amount in well over a year um nothing and 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 that's oh well shoes i'll say that shoes or sneakers but at the end of the day nothing is that pressing for me to buy in that moment unless i was like a wedding and yeah. they want me to get a suit but the suit was like at such a discounted rate like exactly. i didn't care so, and it was a suit like it was still something I can use. All that aside, I say this. Influence is, um, it's a very unique,
special, I don't even call it a power. It's just like this little thing that you have sometimes to use. And I'm glad that I've been able to use it and set up myself to get paid to model, get paid to wear free clothes that sometimes they let me keep, get paid to let photographers take pictures of me. And I, and I, I push back for so long, like, bro, I'm not that vain. Like, I don't want pictures of me. I don't want to look at myself. Like, I don't glorify myself. But the part, every time I got ready to be like, yo, I'm going to chill. Like, it's not worth that. Somebody would be like, yo, bro, I've been following you. I just wanted to say appreciate it. Like, a random DM. And I'm like, I don't even follow this person back. Like, I didn't even but, know they exist. He's like, bro, that, that stuff you just told me that was in Target. I went and copped. I love their style. Like, it feels good. And I got to get a discount and use my circle rewards. And I was like... Okay, well, I guess let me keep you know going at it or whatever. Um, and it's really dope that brands recognize what you're doing because now it's not, I don't have to live in New York to get scouted. Mm -hmm. Power Instagram casting directors, they're the per people with only like 2,000 followers, but they're the ones making calls for Nike. Mm -hmm. They're the person calling in big brands and saying, we want to fly you out, let me set you up. They don't care about the followers. The I think the misconception we have is that followers transitions to dollars. Mm -hmm. Not at all. The people with the most followers, their hustles, they got their own vibe. But it'd be the people with 1,000, 2,000 followers posting pictures of their coffee and their dogs. They'd be casting directors, marketing directors, creative directors, and they are the ones that recognize and see mm -hmm. these brands. And they'll have somebody else like just share their profile with you. And they're like, oh man, I got a coming up campaign. I want to I use him. You know what I'm saying? Or a beer brand is like, Thousands of men have beers. Hundreds of men, thousands, millions probably now have beers and have gotten into it. But uh, for me to get selected by a black-owned beer brand and they fly me up to New York for two days, take care of me, bless me with product that I still use every single day, like it just shows the the power of influence and what you can do when you put a little bit of small effort behind it. So you talk about uh, black-owned beer brand. Name a couple of the brands that you've worked with um, that you are, or you know, I mean, I know you can't name them all off the top yeah. of your head, but you know. Um, Scott's Porter, first and foremost, is my beer brand. Uh, Calvin did a great thing of putting together this organization. They're based in Brooklyn. Um, started there, got an amazing staff of um, just creative people in general. I just had such a good shoot experience with them. Um, they actually got me out of my zone to do a shower scene, like where I shot, like using the product. And that was a big thing for me. And it wasn't because like I had, it, I mean, no, it wasn't because like a religious stance or something I didn't want to do, but I didn't never, I never want to sell sex. Mm -hmm. Like even with my collaborations with other women, I do my best, even when I was single, to not sell sex because it's so, it's so wild that plus industry, mm -hmm. like it can, it can immediately turn to a sexual relationship mm -hmm. and then your name is trashed. And I've done a good job at keeping my name clean because I have a golden rule and that's I don't mix my money with my honey. So it just they recognized that and they saw that and we got a chance to talk about that on set. And they were a very influential piece of me um, putting out some amazing first content. And then uh, other brands I work with is MVP USA. They're a big and tall men's brand. Target style, obviously, uh, one of my favorites. Um, Russell, as of recent, Russell Athletics. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. the inventors of the sweatshirt. <laughs> uh, they got a campaign. What else have I did? Uh, a soup brand, uh, Alan Dupuis. Okay, yeah. Um, some other ones. Can't even think when people sent me some stuff. I can't remember right off the top of my head now. I feel so bad for any 
anybody that sent me something, I'm so sorry. Wise Cartel, he's a lo uh, local guy from Jersey. I've worked with him, but most of those are black. And then my boy um, Gavin, uh, Shamaria's Dream, his stuff that he's put out, he's a photographer as well, um, at uh, Gavin B. I am Gavin B. And then Joe. I am Light Skin Joe. Joe has a brand mm -hmm. called Watt Supply Company. It's this shirt right here. Uh, thankful. His brand has been very influential. Um, and then YNM Prints and Apparel, Jeremy. Yeah. He does all my custom like prints or anything that I want, and even the mask that I make yeah. that say Get Busy, he, he produces them for me. So that, that's, uh, that's actually my last question, man. How can people get connected with you? How can they support you? How can they uh, get some of your merchandise? All right, so uh, I'm... I'm very slow. I'm not a brand. I'm not an apparel brand because I, I just move way slow. I don't do it how it's supposed to be done. I still am packaging everything up myself and I write hand notes and all that. So I never expect to do huge numbers. Um, so I do everything at home. And uh, Get Busy is the brand. That's the tagline right now to play on my name, CB Busy Grizzly. And then uh, just my idea of always getting busy. Like stay busy, stay active, keep it grizzly. And then... You can reach me on uh, Instagram at CBBusyGrizzly, and then everything else is the same. Twitter, all that. Boom. Yep, Big Amen. Cartel, all that stuff is the same. So, I mean, if you want to support there, that's fine. If not, just hit me up on the gram. We got Vmo Cash at PayPal, whatever. Um, but, yeah. That's something. Well, I need to uh, get this mask that I bought last week. I'm going to get you the whole pack. Yeah. There we go. All right, man. Hey, appreciate you. No doubt. Yeah, they can't see that. No. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in today. As always, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Narrow Podcast. That's N-A-R-R-O-W Podcast. Additionally, we love reviews, constructive criticism, feedback, and any topics you'd like to hear in the future. Thank you for your support. Catch you again next week, same time, same place. Peace. The Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast is a subsidiary of Daniels Development and Branding, LLC, here for all of your fundraising, creative direction, and storytelling needs.